here in the heart of the jungle, we find one of the most interesting creatures of its kind. Amazon PPC Advertising. Buried deep amongst the undergrowth with its campaigns and targeting, lay hazards like keywords without conversions, unprofitable ad spend, and a mountain of ever-evolving complexity. But if you look beyond the obstacles of life here, there is hope and opportunity. We will journey to every corner of Amazon ads to explore and share the greatest treasures the jungle has to offer. This is the Amazon PPC Den podcast. What's going on, Brent? It is always a pleasure to have you come back on the show. It is, I love hanging out. So thank you for coming back on the show. How are you today? Thanks for the invite. I'm doing good. It's cooled off here. I'm sleeping better, feeling great. We were talking about feng shui in your home office. How is how would you rate the feng shui of your home office? You know, people are watching on YouTube. Maybe they're looking at it. They're like, huh? How's that they're feng shui? Like, they're like, what's that mysterious painting in the back? And where does that door go anyway? Can um, we talk about that painting? That you have you have a painting that I want to say is either ten thousand dollars made by a famous French painter or your niece or nephew made it or something like that it's it's more of column number two let's say i think if okay. it was made by a true uh, a true master of a uh, you know, french painter we'd probably have it in a proper frame it wouldn't be mounted on the heater it's on the heater right now yes <laughs> it's just chilling there it's just chilling there it, it's nice to look out on video i kind of enjoy it in the background spices things up a little bit so that's why I've, I've, tossed, <laughs> I've tossed it on there uh yeah and that door is a door to nowhere so don't get too excited guys it's not narnia <laughs> I'm just picturing like an old French building that you open up the door and you just like, it just falls. Like there's nothing there. You just walk outside uh, on the second floor or something. You're not far off. <laughs> uh, so we have a topic today, which I really enjoy. And you actually brought it up. And then I was like, oh, I we did talk about campaign naming structure on the show way back on episode eight and to be honest, I think it's one of the most fundamental, important things to do in PPC. And we've only talked about, we've only had one episode dedicated to campaign naming. So this is campaign naming 2022 edition. Uh, Cause last time we talked about it was January, 2019, practically 2018. So it's been like four years. Jeez, this is episode 192. We've covered a lot of topics, but only one episode so far on campaign naming. So we're going to correct course today. Talk about campaign naming. Why, why did this come up for you as a topic to sort of touch on today? I think part of it is because, you know, Pathfinder and my company has been around for a while and we have campaign naming structures that have been in place in some cases since, you know, the time this uh, last episode was recorded or well before that. And this is one of these things that's a fundamental. So you occasionally need to revisit it and rethink it and figure out, okay, well, now that it's 2022, we have all these new campaign types. We have all these new abilities. We have new bulk operations files. Do we need to revisit this? Do we need to look at this again? And I put it on my short list of like, you know, business notes or something to talk yeah. to about our head PPC guy and get him, uh, you know, squared away with like getting the rest of the team on board with new naming conventions and whatnot. So uh, I don't think there's any shame, Mike, in having done it uh, all those years ago because it was one of the first 10 episodes. Clearly mm -hmm. it stands out for some reason. Um, so uh, yeah, happy to revisit. 
Yeah, yeah. And there's we have so many more tools now to do campaign naming, campaign renaming. So we're going to cover a couple things. Revisit why it's important. Uh, talk about what goes into a campaign name, uh, just in case you didn't listen to episode eight. Uh, every once in a while, someone will message me and is like, yo, I listen to every episode, which is awesome somebody went on like a road trip from like new york to california and they're like i leveled up my ppc game the whole time (laughs) that's amazing um or they have one of those jobs that work on an oil rig and they'll like download (laughs) hundreds of gigs of stuff before they go and then like they work 18 hour shifts and you know the one day they have off they're like yeah just ppc for 18 hours it's all good i honestly i honestly think you guys yes i honestly think if you were to listen to every episode of this show at the end of it you'd be like a top 1% 1% PPC knowledge person. You probably uh, know your way have, around the interface. That's for you sure. Would, yeah. You would know your way around. So we're going to cover why it's important. Recap what goes into it. Cause there's been some changes since, you know, 2018 and then also how to do a bulk campaign name redo in the interface. So let's get into it. Section one, why campaign naming is important. Alrighty, Brent. Why? Is this a topic that was important in like the days of, uh, when, cause, cause you also did Google ads too, way mm-hmm. back when, mm-hmm. uh, I also did Google ads way back when, and it was an important topic, like 10 years ago over there, it's a topic on Facebook ads. And it's like, that's why it was one of the first topics for an Amazon ads podcast. So like, why is this topic still important? I think the reasons are probably similar across all the platforms you just mentioned and a big part of it is like friction reduction, right? You want to move quickly through the interface, understand things quickly. So what we're going to talk about, I guess, is mostly seen through that lens. Uh, the first one is people. And by people, I mean stakeholders in the account. For mm-hmm. us at the agency level, it's our clients, people on their team. Uh, for many of you listening, 3P, your vendor sellers, it's people on your team, the marketing guy, the salesperson, the person actually doing the accounts. Everyone who's involved needs to be able to look at it and they all understand the same thing. So they look at it at a glance, they can easily grab or understand what that campaign is about. Um, and you know, some of the other components I guess we'll talk about, but everyone needs to be on the same level. Right? It's a common language. We have a shared platform from which we can all agree, oh, this campaign does X. All right, I get it because I've read it and we have a glossary internally, perhaps at the company that explains what these different campaign types are based on the naming convention we've come up with. So it's like a common language. We all speak English, we all speak Spanish, we all speak French. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. It's like... Uh you need to know what's inside. So a lot of times if I'm ever like cracking open a new account with someone I just met and it's like, oh, can you take a look at my campaigns? I'm like, sure. And I open it up and like the campaign names say like July, 2020. I then have to say like, well, click further into it. Like, well, what is it? Like, what's going on here? Like, what's the campaign components? Like, what what is it? And it creates massive friction. It'll take like you know, up to a minute just to understand what's inside one campaign and they might have a thousand campaigns and there's no way to sort of have a good unified view of like what's inside. So like need to be able to know what's going on inside a campaign, what the campaign type campaign structure is before you even click into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it's important too, if someone's listening, they're like, oh, I'm a solopreneur. I'm a small team. Like we're staying in the loop. Like I don't, I don't need many people to look at this campaign. I think you will forget like the creator of the campaign like when you're going through and you're creating it you will forget like you should have even if you have one product you should have dozens and dozens of campaign types 
eventually. Like you should have tons of campaigns eventually. Uh, so like the campaign, the account can get very unwieldy if you don't have a good succinct naming structure. So like just knowing what's inside, quick scanning is important, but that's not the only piece of the puzzle, is it? No, it's not. And to go back to the thing, you will forget, you know, don't burden your memory more than you have to. You already have a lot right. of things to deal with. Like just, just let the naming convention do the work for you and oh, don't so say, good. I, I'm, I'm going to be the one who's going to remember all this. Let me charge my mental load even further with this. Yeah, uh, let, let, it, so, let it do the work. So yeah, so this is just good project management, getting things done type idea too. Like don't keep your to-do list in your head you're like wasting precious mental RAM on it. Uh, write it down, get it out of your head, like use a task manager, get it out of your head so that you can focus on creative, good thought process, strategic things, not remembering what you did or remembering your to-do list or remember. Yeah, that's like just basic productivity 101 as well. Yeah. And the other one, I guess what we'll get to here is like, uh, it's not just aesthetics. To use a joke I think I made you earlier, Mike, it's a uh, functional fitness, right? It's like CrossFit. It's not just bulking at the gym and you have huge muscles. It's no, no, this will help you in, <laughs> yes. in your, uh, in your, in your search for uh, better uh, metrics and like campaign optimization. So Brent, search ability. For sure. Like what if we're on a hike together and uh, you break your ankle? I need functional fitness to throw you on, <laughs> throw you on my back exactly. and take you down, take you down this French mountain. Uh, for sure. We but, do have uh, Rocky Mountains here in the South, so it's entirely easy plausible. To, easy to twist an ankle. Yeah. But get into a little bit more about the searchability of a good campaign naming structure. Yeah, sure. And this is maybe getting like real specific. But when I say searchability, I mean, don't run all the, um, you know, the text in the name together. Have like a common separator that you and your team agree on as like, this is how we're going to break out the information. And this is the order in which the components of the name are going to be. So if you want to uh, find auto campaigns that have a certain objective, or you want to search for what we call like conquesting campaigns at Pathfinder, you can search by the string of text that you've all agreed is the one that signifies that. And you can do that in the interface. You can do that in Excel. You can do that in uh, software tools. Um, yeah. There's like a million places you can do that. And a lot of this was born out of the early days of Amazon where it's like, well, you don't really have tools. Just download your search term report. And if you ha see these um, keywords, search terms in a, in a campaign, you're only going to know what the point of that campaign is by the name of the ad group and the campaign itself. So you better have a way to search and filter it or otherwise you're going to put yourself in a, in a tough position. Exactly. Yeah. Not only that, but it, it helps you find campaigns. So like, let's say you had a particular ASIN and you want to find all the campaigns with that ASIN in it. It's like, boom, you can type in that ASIN, find that. You want to search for a product family, like, I don't know, baby shoes. Uh, you can type in baby shoes and find all your baby shoes campaigns. If you want to find all of your ranking campaigns, you can type in the word ranking into the search box to see all of those campaigns. And what's crazy about that too is you, it, most interfaces that you're going to be in, whether it be a spreadsheet or a tool or uh, the default interface, you do that and it will update the metrics that you're looking at. So like you'll see the performance of your ranking campaigns. You'll see the performance of your baby shoes campaigns. Uh, and like, then you can sort baby shoes by ACOS. And now all of a sudden you have all your baby shoes ranked by ACOS, which is pretty sweet. So it makes optimization way faster, no matter how you optimize interface, uh, spreadsheets, tools, being able to just type in the things that you want to look at. I want to find my ranking campaigns. I want to find my non-branded. I want to find my conquest, whatever type of campaign. 
having those things in the campaign name, and this is also true for ad group names, but having those in the name of the thing makes the searching for it super quick, super easy, and just is something that good PPCers do. Uh, if you're listening to a podcast about PPC, you want to be a good PPCer, you got to name your campaigns. Right. Simple as that. And I want to give a little bit more attention for a second here to ad groups because we always talk about campaign naming, but ad group naming equally as important. Uh, Mike, you discussed like if you, if the, you know, the minimum thing you do is copy the name from the campaign yeah. to the ad group and maybe add some other signifier. Like in our case, it might be a match type. We've even done dates in the past. I'm not sure that's necessary anymore. And the one thing you want to avoid is what we call ad group one disorder which is where yeah. you have all these great <laughs> campaigns that have like the world's best naming convention. Oh my God, they're great. But then as soon as you drill in, you're like, ad group one, ad group two, ad yeah. group three. Uh, just, uh-huh. just, kill, just kill me at that point. I don't want to be there anymore. So <laughs> you, they've please, undone please. a lot of their work. Yeah, exactly, you, exactly. Mm-hmm. And there are occasions when you're going to only get ad group information versus um, uh, let, let's say uh, campaign. And the worst part is if you have ad group one and more than one campaign, yeah. Uh, in some circumstances, that data is going to actually like be uh, you know driven together, and then you're going to be really screwed uh, because you won't be able to say, wait, but what campaign was it? And it's ad group one, but I have seven of those. Whoops. For sure. Uh, <laughs> and with that, now that hopefully you know why this is important, let's jump into a quick recap uh, and probably a modernization. Did mm-hmm. I get that word right? Modernizing what we mentioned uh, in episode eight back up to 2020. Two, about why all this stuff is important. Part two, what goes into a campaign and ad group name. Um, so Brent, I think we did something very cool here. Mm-hmm. I've never seen this done in any campaign naming structure content ever. We broke it out into different levels. So like if you're sitting there and being like, oh man, I need to rename a thousand campaigns. like. Good luck. Don't worry. Later in the show, we're going to talk about how to do this in bulk. Stay strong. Quickly. Stay strong. Uh, but even if you only have like 20 names, it's you know, and you don't want to use a bulk file, it's still kind of annoying to rename a campaign. So we're going to make it easy by breaking this out into different levels. Level one, two, and three from mm-hmm. good, better, best. So if you do nothing else, at least do level one, which is what goes into a campaign name the ability to quickly scan stuff. So we think level one is like the base minimum you should have for all of the benefits. So if you're an 80-20 Pareto principle person, here is your 80%. Number one, some kind of identification uh, for what the thing you're advertising is. So level one gives you the quick scanning. It's like, you want to find your baby shoes. I'm just going to stick on baby shoes the whole episode, but you want to find your baby shoes campaign. You can just type in baby shoes because you've got that product individual, individual product. If it's an individual product campaign, if it's a family type of thing, if you have multiple brands, you put that in there, you need product identifiers to know what you're advertising. And then that is your sort of like level one home base, put some product identifiers in it could be an ASIN, could be a SKU, whatever you use to signify this product or this product family or this brand plus product is in the thing. So that's number one. Um, anything else to add about product identifiers? Yeah, the only thing I'd add is some of that comes from upstream account optimization. For instance, most of our clients, if not all of them, will look at a SKU in their catalog and know exactly what it is. If you have yeah. a SKU that you have... Um, put in an Amazon generated SKU for you and it's kind of like a mess, 
you might be in a tougher position. Very mm -hmm. few of our clients probably know all of their ASINs off the top of their head because sure. there's no convention for that. Amazon just hands you this. Now, of course, ASINs and SKUs are useful in different ways in uh, filtering reports and looking at advertising and you know even how they work. For instance, you can you know put multiple SKUs in for one ASIN, right? But um, having that in the name somewhere or an ASIN or a product name is probably probably a good option. Mike and I debated like, is it better to do a SKU? Is it better to do an ASIN? Ultimately, it depends on what you as a company are comfortable with and what is most useful. We're not going to be too prescriptive and say, oh no, you must do an ASIN. Uh, I would say, you know, it, it's adaptable. <laughs> for sure. It's what it, this, So this is a business level decision that if you're managing a campaign for business, whether you're in-house, freelancer, agency, whatever, even if you're the owner and you're setting these things up, you should still have what's going to be most relevant so that you can do quick scanning. Uh, and ideally you are consistent. So you can always search in the search box to find that thing. Because um, again, one of the benefits is you can type in that ASIN and then see all the campaign types, sponsored product, sponsored brand, sponsored display that that individual product is in or product family. After you do that, campaign type abbreviation. And for this, you know, you can use your own thing that works best for your brain to identify uh, campaign types. But like I like, you know, ASP for automatic sponsored products, MSP for manual sponsored products, SBV, sponsored brand video, like things like that. Fairly apparent there. But yeah, campaign type abbreviation. And, you know, this makes sense as a level one thing, too, because it sort of just lets you know the composition of the thing that you're looking at. Again, we're going for like quick scans. So like you can right. analyze all of your sponsored brand video if you have SBV in all of the sponsor brand video campaigns. Um, how do you like to use campaign type? Yeah, we have it uh, slightly different from the way you mentioned. Like we, for auto, we might just put auto and we might put it in brackets uh, like right. surrounding it. Or um, same thing with like a manual campaign that's set up for research purposes. It might have like an abbreviation like research, you know, something like that. Uh, and we have like what we call production or profit campaigns, which are mm -hmm. kind of like a life cycle thing, which I think we'll, we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah, and the other thing to note about campaign type there, there are filters now, you know, built into the um, ad console interface and many software tools and stuff where you can say like, all right, show me all the sponsor display, show me all the sponsored products. But it's not going to hurt you to still add those names into the campaign names just because you have a filter built into a software or an interface, because there will be times when you don't. Uh, like when you have a, a, a file coming out from like a, a report or something like yep. that, when you don't have such a filter. So it still has a place because uh, some people push back sometimes and say, why do we need a name sponsored products? Like obviously it's sponsored products. I can filter by it. Well, not in all circumstances. So it's not going to hurt you to add it. Yeah. And plus it just, it just boosts your speed because you might be looking at this campaign name anywhere, you know, in some kind of report, like show me my top five spending reports. Uh, top five spending campaigns, it's just helpful to have this information to make mm. your brain not have to work so hard. And when we think of campaign type, there's often like the the mechanics of what it is. Is it an automatic sponsored product or sponsored display? But we thought with level one, it's also very important to have like the business intelligence for the campaign type, meaning whatever's going to be relevant to the company. Like is it important to put branded or non-branded? So like maybe write branded or n-branded. Is it a defense campaign, a conquest, a ranking, evergreen? Is it a low bid catch-all? I think we had the uh, most fun with this one because this is where like the, the buffet of options comes out. It's like how many different 
campaign strategy types do we have? Uh, dozens. And some agencies might have more than others. Some people might rely more on others than, than others. And I'm sure the naming for them starts to vary wildly. But as long as yeah. it's consistent within your organization, that's all that really matters. Um, yeah. But there's so many here that you can you can say, like we love like auto low bid, like that's a good one. Or some people call it gold panning, branded versus non-branded. I think for ours, we just have brand in brackets. And then we have brand that's, um, you know, different match types. Maybe it's for... Uh, the brand name, or maybe it's for a product specific name. You know, there's occasionally a product that is not only branded, but has search volume for that particular product. And that product has a name and it goes by that name along with the brand. So you can start to get real nuanced with this if you want to. For sure. And again, the benefits are, if you want to see how your branded campaigns are performing, you type in branded, see all that. If you want to see how your ranking campaigns are, you type in ranking. And maybe you have some kind of internal company policy. And you should for like what a tolerable ACOS is for ranking campaigns. It's like, oh, for my ranking campaigns, I never want to go above 80% or something like that uh, based off where we're at in our margin. So like typing in ranking, seeing all your ranking campaigns, you could start to see how good this is to implement. So that's level one, helps you with quick scanning. Let's jump to level two. Uh, what kind of additional information could you add if you want to go sort of the, the next mile? Yeah, so I think this has a little bit of overlap with the campaign type abbreviation, but this is about targeting specifically. So this could be match types, broad, phrase, exact. Heck, let's even go with uh, broad modified <laughs> in, mm -hmm. uh, in sponsored brands, right? Uh, or like mixed match types, if you have a campaign where that's the case. Um, category, uh, retargeting, single keyword, which is like always pretty straightforward. Audience, um, I don't know, what else What else do we have? You know, targeting uh, types in general. Yes, CAT, maybe if it's a category targeting, RT for retargeting. Uh, SKW for single keyword campaigns, VTC view through for view through conversions. Mm -hmm. It's important to specify that if you have a campaign that's using views and clicks as its order count and sales count, maybe you to have a quick search for VTC view through for conversions so that you can just maybe sub subtract that or view that separately than your click through conversion campaigns. This is for like get, this is getting a little bit down in the weeds in terms of like more ways to do what we did in level one. So like more quick scanning ways. Uh, again, I think this is optional. You should definitely cover level one. And then for those, you can get a little bit more specific with your targeting, some of the settings. Maybe you have a top of search TOS strategy you want to write. We like TOS. that one. Yeah, TOS for yeah. sure. And another thing about PP. this, like this might be product page. Yep. Yeah, product page. So you're modifying that uh, bid placement modifier for those. And then, uh, you know, this is another thing that, you know, going back to the ad group idea, this might be more suitable for ad groups, actually. So you might have a campaign that has the level one stuff. And then inside of that, you have ad groups. And maybe one of them is an exact match or one of them is broad. I don't know. That could happen, right? Depends how you break things out for budgetary reasons. But this would be the area where you would delineate between those two things with this level two uh, naming information. Yeah. And then of course the pinnacle here, level three, this not only requires like structure of like what's in the campaign, this requires you to also go the extra step and do business objectives. So sort of in level three is where we start to incorporate business objectives. And when we say business objectives, like what do we actually mean, Brent? Yeah. Well, campaigns in the most simplistic form are like, is there a good ROAS or a low ACOS? Uh, but I think you know, the more advanced amongst us in the audience are probably thinking, okay, am I getting enough impression share for this? 
Uh, is this driving like a, a, a organic rank that I'm looking for? I can't really think of another good example. You know, are we, um, are, are we getting enough like views on video that are of a certain length even? I know mm -hmm. we did a, we did a uh, podcast about that at one oh, point, yeah. Mike, like how long are people watching my SBV video for? That's very specific, but you yeah. could have objectives encoded into the name of these campaigns and ad groups based on uh, the goals. The most common one I think that you and I probably see is ACOS goals. Uh, people are like, this should be sure. 25%. And then that does allow anyone to see it at a glance. Uh, I, I could go either way on that. You know, you could do it, you could not do it, but just another idea to toss in. Yeah. I, so I, I have an interesting take on like, should your campaign have an ACOS goal it written in the campaign itself? I think the only other real goal, like there's like ranking goals, impression share goals. Mm -hmm. uh, you could also even throw in like, now that we have like, true keyword level um, market share with the search query performance dashboard, you can even throw like, I'm running this campaign to boost my market share for this group of keywords. Like you have that specific information in the campaign to just sort of remind yourself, like what was the goal of this? That way you're not doing like herky jerky sledgehammer type optimization where like a cost high. So you go in and you slash things. It's like, Oh, like I'm doing this for ranking purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, or I'm doing the, or my a cost goal is actually higher than, um, or, you know, my ACOS goal is way up there, like 90% or something. Right, and so, it might let other people on the team know about it too. To go back to this yeah. idea of like legibility of naming, like mm -hmm. let's say you take a holiday and like someone on your team is managing the campaigns uh, and they see like, oh, it's ACOS of 90 and they're like, oh God, they freak out and they do all kinds of extreme drastic actions. Like Mike mentioned, they take a sledgehammer to it. Well, maybe if they understand that this is actually for ranking and our goal yeah. here is not ACOS, it's something else that we're measuring in a different piece of software or using a yep. spreadsheet to track weekly or something like that. Yep. Their, their metric for what they're aiming towards is different. So the actions they would take are naturally different. For sure. And another thing I try to say too is when you have non a cost goals, like even if it's ranking or total a cost or whatever, you still kind of have to translate. Like you don't have some of those sometimes when you're making optimizations. Like you, there's no total a cost area anywhere in mm. PPC uh, analysis. You you can kind of like put it next to PPC analysis, but like when you're like a keyword doesn't have a total a cost unless like it's just that one keyword for this one product. So like translating things to an ACOS goal is like an argument to have an ACOS goal. Even if ACOS isn't your ultimate goal, it's still like generally how a lot of people do optimize. So like having, thinking about that, like I want to rank, but I still don't want to go above 90% ACOS. Like that's helpful to remember. As we round out sort of like the ways to name, uh, you know, an example might be, Blue baby shoes, ASP, Discovery 50. It's a pretty good campaign name. I know what I'm selling. I know what kind of campaign it is. I know the strategy behind that campaign. And I've got an ACOS goal in there. Uh, and of course, you could. this could have easily been like a, the specific ASIN of the shoe that I'm advertising with uh, MSP SKW for manual sponsored product, single keyword campaign, ranking TOS. 75 like mm -hmm. that's a lot of info right like so it and of course there's dashes in between like you mentioned you don't want one block of text don't don't smash these things together <laughs> and any other tips before we like things to do things to avoid what's your parting wisdom on just what should go into it 
Yeah, I think we, we dreamt up a couple here, but uh, this might be a little bit controversial, but don't put the budget in the name of the campaign because the budget is something that is more malleable and can change. Of course, you can always rename them, but I, I'm not a fan of putting like a targeted spend in there. That's what the budget column is for, not the name of the campaign itself. And it may go up or down depending on time of year. Um, it's not like an evergreen thing. Uh I could kind of see an argument for some people doing it, but we don't do that uh, at Pathfinder. I don't think I've ever done that. I've never done it either, but I imagine a use case is, let's say you have a group of campaigns you don't want to spend more than $1,000 a month on. You could potentially like search the, the number 1,000 and then see all those campaigns and like do month-to-day budgeting, just see where you're at. Hmm. That, that might be one use case. That's actually pretty interesting. <laughs> okay, we just refuted what we thought might be. <laughs> yes, there's a use case. <laughs> hey, this is what we're all about, critical analysis. Um, mm-hmm. So that is a use case, yeah. And I'd say one other thing that's kind of related to that, which you sometimes see, and I think would fall into the uh, maybe business intel or the specific targeting, you know, levels one or two is like low bid, high bid. Like you might yeah. run an auto campaign that's like a low bid, you know, let's say it's 15 cents, really low. And then one that's high bid, maybe it's a dollar. And then you have uh, budget caps for those that are different and those might be malleable and more changeable. But that 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 I think is not budget. That's um, that's telling you about the bidding that's within um, yeah. rather than budget. To me, to me, that's like level one, business intel for the Mm -hmm. campaign strategy like what are you trying Mm -hmm. to accomplish with it yeah the other ones we had for don't do's don't have one block of text where i touched on that multiple times uh maybe the most important don't be inconsistent don't have one guy on your team say uh skw and then some other girl comes in and names her campaign skcw and then they have a fight in slack about it (laughs) no we need to add the c no we can't we have to admit it it's easier um everyone needs to be on the same page guys for sure. Um, so now that we've covered in pretty good detail, level one, two, and three, how to name your campaigns, why to name them, let's jump into the final part, which I think people will actually be surprised at how accessible this is. So even mm-hmm. if you don't have experience with bulk files, don't be afraid. Brent and I are here to walk you through it. Without further ado, let's jump into how to bulk update your campaign names. Alrighty, Brent. So let's just assume I went into my advertising. I clicked download bulk file. Mm-hmm. What do I get? What do I do? Well, you get the new bulk file, uh, which is vastly improved over the old one. And to yep. make one distinction and give a brief history lesson, previously there was no way to do this. So we had to work with software vendors and do like a backend upload to insert a thing to change the campaign names on bulk, or you had to go through the interface and do it manually yourself. I have nightmares still about mm-hmm. doing that in 2018, 2017, mm-hmm. <laughs> my own, you know, and then telling team members, oh, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to do this. There's 300 campaigns. You split it up amongst the four of you or something like that. Now yeah. we can do this at the click of a button. And it's maybe, I would argue, Mike, maybe the most simple thing you can do with bulk operations. Yes. Um, so, I think we both differ a little bit about how we approach this. One of the first things I like to do is download a bulk file and then get rid of columns I'm not going to interact with. Because really, this sort of stems from the history of bulk files where like you'd upload something and you get like a whole bunch of errors and like you wouldn't know what to do. So I always try to upload very simple, skinny, light files. And what I mean by that is like, I'm clearing out columns that I don't want. So I'm not changing budget. I'm going to get rid of the budget column. Uh, I'm not going to be changing like any placement info. I'm going to be getting rid of that. So like, I'm not going to be editing keywords. I'm going to get rid of all 
columns related to that. And really what I'll then just copy over is like the entity, which is going to say campaign, uh, the operation, which I'm going to be like uh, update. Update is the entity. I'm sorry. Yeah. Is, is the actual talk. is the actual thing you must put in that field right to, to yes. tell it what you're doing yeah update just the word update yeah, yeah so it's like entity operation campaign id which you just got from the uh file that you downloaded campaign name which is where you're going to write your new campaign name and then uh, i think i also include the state here and um with all of that you can then have a sheet just with a couple columns. I think that's six or set, six columns. And then this is where you'll be editing and adding the campaign names to re-upload. Now, you get into a situation here, though. You'll have the current campaign name, but then you sort of need to bridge what's where it's currently at to the new one. And assuming that you're doing this, you probably don't have good identifiers already. Hmm. So you need some extra columns to include like what's the ad what's the skew you need to be able to identify what's in there to begin with uh how do you generally bridge that gap uh and as you are sort of walking through your process like uh, does your process differ at all yeah it, it differs in that i'm lazier than you i think that your approach <laughs> is very diligent and you can tell mike has done all his schoolwork and has got a pluses on all his papers what i do <laughs> is open it up and i will hide the columns that i don't care about because my assumption is basically i'm not changing these if i don't mm -hmm. fuss with them they're not going to throw off an error hopefully um and then i will keep the things i want to see uh which in this case i think we talked about you know asins uh skews some keywords in there so I can see like, okay, well, what am I actually putting in here? And uh, I agree largely with your idea of like add extra columns. We can delete them before we actually upload the thing um, and highlight them or whatever you need to do to make sure that you know these are uh, foreign, foreign columns that don't belong here that can be eliminated before we actually upload. Uh, but you, I think you're going to have to be, you know, in situ having context for like, oh, this is the skewer ASIN that's in here. These are the keywords. Uh, I see what match type they are. This allows me to get a much better idea um, of what I need to name this. And then go ahead and say update in the operations area, change the names, um, delete the columns you don't need, unhide the other ones. I'm not sure if it actually matters if you hide or unhide them. Uh, the one thing I do agree with you, though, is I won't, if I'm doing like sponsored products, you know, this discussion is mostly focused on sponsored products. Mm -hmm. I'll delete the brands display and the portfolios areas and just upload the one for sponsored products. I don't want to be, yeah, fussing with like sponsored display because that's like not relevant for me renaming sponsored products. But the columns themselves in sponsored products, I, I won't delete them. I'm sorry. I'm just not going <laughs> to, maybe that makes me uh, too lazy, but I, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, doing all of those things and like having some information in there to help you identify it. And then like, what I like to do is like the campaign name column that I just downloaded is like the old campaign name. That's like mm -hmm. what it is right now. I will often rename that and call it like old campaign name. And then I'll create a new column, which is campaign name, which is going to be my new one that I upload and tell Amazon to update. So you you sort of mentioned it, but then you can add in like additional columns and then you can use Excel or Google Sheet functions to basically combine things. So like you could have like one column for the uh, product or product family. Uh, you'd have another column for the campaign type. Uh, you'd have another column for like 
the goal of the campaign or the business strategy type, like branded, non-branded. You'd have another column for like specific targeting info, maybe another column for ACoS. And then you can have one function to basically combine all of those things. Uh, what I do, uh, which I always butcher this word, concatenate. Concatenate. I got it. Concatenate. Yes. I, think, yeah, I think you got it. Yeah. Classic Excel function. Which just basically grabs several columns and combines them into one. Good tip, be sure to also write the spaces in there so it uh, includes it. But yeah, it's just if you just start typing equals in your spreadsheet program of choice and start typing C-O-N-C, it'll just complete it. Uh, I always let it autocomplete, which so I never learn to spell it or uh, pronounce it, but it's, yes, concatenate. <laughs> the curses of the digital age. Yeah, how, yes. many words, how many words can I not spell in French because it always <laughs> autocorrects it on my phone? Yeah. Uh, concatenate. So yeah, I use concatenate to do that kind of thing. Uh, I think there's other options that you can do too, which might actually be better, uh, potentially, but, uh, do you use concatenate? Are you a concatenator? Uh, I have, I have concatenated, uh, in the past and I, I probably will in the future. Uh, if there's another function to, to do this, that's faster, you know, your audience probably knows I, I do not, I'm not the Excel master on my team. I'm uh, I was just still a entry level, uh, Jedi, I have some people who are definitely the dark Sith Lords of Excel on the team and they may know. <laughs> I just did a, um, a concatenate, like I'm in uh, Google right now. I'm typing in concatenate versus, and I'm seeing other things like concatenate X, append, merge. I want to say you can also type in an ampersand, which is like shift seven in Excel. Mm. The So the and operator like the ampersand operator is also a thing um and i did not know there's that was a thing i've heard of concatenate x i've never tried it ampers i'm sorry uh, append sounds like what it is just adding it to the end but i think yeah. concatenate is going to be a more complete solution well ultimately back to this idea of like um you know, adding these other columns in here. I think that's a very clever move, Mike, because it allows you to, to buzz through there. And what I would do, you know, is like use filters inside of um, Excel or whatever you're using to modify it to see only the rows that I really need to see. And that would allow me to have the names of the campaigns like quite close to each other. And I could like buzz through and like, all right, we're gonna, you know, this is this, this is this. Maybe use like the, you know, cut, <laughs> cut, and, uh, you know, cut and paste feature a lot or like where you drag yeah. down, it'll rename stuff. Oh yeah. Um, all those can be quite beneficial for this. And I will point out one other thing, you know, you talked about having the old campaign name in there. If you have the new bulk operations uh, files open, there is like a campaign name uh, column, but it says like for informational purposes on it. It's not something you're supposed to change. I think it's supposed to aid you in making changes while you're in the interface. And so that's one of the columns that I wouldn't hide. I would want to have it like shown. And that already gives us uh, like the current name uh, and that's on every uh, row, more importantly, because I think the campaign name is only in a few places on uh, column J is what I'm looking at here uh, in sponsored right. products, at least. Yeah, yeah. So I think we've ran the gamut on campaign naming, and I think we've updated that old 2018, early 2019 podcast that was previously done. We've covered a, a huge thing, like why it's important how to use it, like quick searchability, quick scanability to view cohorts of your campaigns at once, all of your branded, all of your non-branded, all of your ranking in an instant. Uh, we've covered like getting started ways to get started with it. So like, be sure you include like 
tools to quick scan it, like searching so that you can search it all the way up to campaign strategy and goals. And then we also covered how to do it in a bulk file. And so there's really no excuse to have bad campaign names in 2022. And that's right. No excuse, no excuse for it. Uh, Any final parting words about campaign names, ad group names? I think we've said most of what what can be said. Uh, Maybe one thing is, you know, anticipate and expect future targeting types, maybe even Mm -hmm. campaign types to exist on Amazon. And so when you build a naming structure, try to think about the future too. It's not just what's there now, but who knows what new things will be there in the future. And you need to maybe revise your internal naming scheme. I know we're due for that right now, um, as I mentioned at the top of the call, in order to accommodate for that, because a lot has changed in the past couple of years for sure, and even the past six months. Well, when this changes in the future, we'll have you back here, walk us through it, decipher it, decode it. Brandon, it is always a pleasure and hopefully I'll see you see, see you here real soon on the PPC Den podcast. Thanks so much, Brent. Thanks, Mike.